0: (music) I don't know. To the Frontend Nerdery podcast, a podcast about front end development and design. I'm your host, Todd Libby, and I'll be talking with people in tech about a number of different topics about front end design and development and what they're working on and doing. Today is a little bit different because we're going to talk about a little, uh, we're going to talk about topics that are uh, not specifically front end focused, but today I have with me full stack web developer speaker and which streamer extraordinaire my guest today is prince wilson prince how are you today
1: i'm doing amazing thank you for asking thank you for having me here
0: <laughs> you're welcome and thanks for thanks for coming on it, it uh, definitely i've been looking forward to this one uh and we'll go into the in, into the reasons why in a little bit so why don't you tell a little uh the listeners a little bit about yourself
1: yeah uh like you mentioned before like outside of my day job, I do Twitch streaming. I love to program live on Twitch with a bunch of folks because one, it's kind of a way for me to show off what I'm learning as well as to take everyone along with me through the journey. And then during my day job, I work as a a full stack web engineer at a company called Newzella, where we help uh, educate people or we help uh, schools K through 12 with our product, where we actually take articles from different publications like the New York Times, the AP, and we level that so students at different reading levels can be able to read that. And I work on our design systems team.
0: Excellent, excellent. I am a big design system fan myself, so I love design. Uh, okay, so uh, first question is, how did you get started in your journey in web design and development?
1: That's a great question. So I was fortunate enough, uh, like my like what started my journey essentially was really, I really wanted to make video games, but I was like, this is kind of hard. <laughs> um, I got one of these, it's an older book now, uh, but it was like, how to build a video game in C-sharp. And I was like, oh, this will be great. I'll need this. And then I started reading and I was like, I don't understand any of these symbols that I'm reading. I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, ah, I'll put this away. But I got closer to, graduating high school and then I was like oh you know I want to still pursue this somehow and it eventually kind of switched gears from going straight to video game development actually to building applications because I saw I was like ah you know this kind of correlates to what I want to be doing mm-hmm. uh, in in school I studied computer science which which I was very fortunate to have that as an opportunity um but I was like I'm not learning anything that's actually directly helping me to what I want to be doing and so I helped start my school's um like tech club where we actually build applications and whatnot, and we—that's th- how I essentially built my community, and that took me all the way to now, being into a career, doing the things that I love. The careers started with developer relations, and then switched into education, and then to actually being a full-time engineer. Well,
0: cool. cool. uh, so on the topic of streaming, uh, I know you—you know—you mentioned, and I know you stream on twitch uh i do i haven't for a while i you know i just go on and do my thing whatever i'm doing then and i know you through the party corgi discord and uh you know you touch a little bit about what you do on your streams so in your mind what is the best part of streaming
1: oh that's for a you? great question For me, I think it's like, I really enjoy being able to share the aha moment with everyone. I think like for me, that's like, it, when I was uh, teaching people how to program, I loved like seeing the aha for them. And so being able to like collectively be able to go through this journey together and have everyone be like, ah, like we're building this thing together. It's not just like I'm teaching to them or they're teaching to me. It's like, we are collectively saying like, we get to shape the the app as we want. Uh, for me that's been exciting and especially when I do things that are like out of my comfort zone it's like oh man we just like finally made it through it's like that's that's the the juicy high I guess I'm trying to find <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yep, yeah that that uh that aha moment you you mentioned one of my streams I was working on something and I had that aha moment and I'm like oh wow and the and the, the I had a few people in the chat and chat went nuts and I was, <laughs> I was yeah. like,
1: everyone's here to hype you up. Like they're yeah. just, they're there. And I think that's what I love about Twitch too, is that you get to have that as an opportunity, right? Is like, you have to have people who get to cheer with you in that celebration, in that moment, which is sometimes really hard, especially, you know, uh, being in a dev job, sometimes you don't get to see like everyone around you get that aha. And so I think that's why I really like the the Twitch format.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyone out there that is thinking of, you know, because I know a few people that are thinking of, yeah, I think I'm, I want to I stream on Twitch, but I'm kind of like hesitant or nervous. What advice would you give to those people that are thinking about it or starting out?
1: There's a few different things I'd, I'd give. Um, first and foremost is just push record. Uh, like just push go live, like just do it i think the 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 very first one feels like the most intimidating because it's like oh my gosh like will everything go right like will people show up and the 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 most important part of that is like you don't have to have people show up to still enjoy doing the thing like you're doing something that you love and people are getting to share that with you and i think that's like the most important like thing to ground myself in always is like i don't care if there's a bunch of people there sometimes it might be just me maybe it's just like a handful of people but like those those people that are coming there want to be there for you and i think that's like always a reassuring thing is like people want to see you do the thing and you can they want to share that experience with you whether you're doing things like programming or if it's uh even just playing video games like twitch's kind of brand is like everyone actually just wants to see you do the thing yeah the other thing is um, don't, um, don't worry about whether or not you have like the top, most top quality, like things and whatnot. Cause like at the end of the day, like you might not like doing it, which is totally valid. Like you do, after you do it the one time you do it a few times, you might be like, mm, I don't know if I really want to do this. And that's totally valid. So don't invest over invest into having all of this like fancy equipment. If you're not interested in doing it for longer.
0: Yeah. People can look into my kitchen so <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter you know I have a nice you know for me this is a real nice microphone setup and everything and I just I just plug and play and that's I think all I do.
1: That's totally fine right like yeah. as long as you're doing the thing where it's reaching people like people yeah. at the end of the day won't care and I think like y- they're here for you and not the, the quality of it the quality of the items themselves. Right.
0: And and also, and you've probably had, you know, people doing this during your streams, you know, you have the people that are like, oh, I didn't know that. And now I learned something, I learned how to do that today. And that gives me the feeling of uh, if I can help one person with this issue, that makes my day.
1: 100%. It, and that happens whether you're like an experienced developer or a beginner developer. I think yeah. like that I learn something new is super, it doesn't matter who it's coming from, but like, I think that in itself is like, it doesn't matter where you always have the opportunity to learn something new. And I think that's what Twitch affords people. is like that space of
0: creating new. Yeah. Yeah. So on that, uh, no, you know, helping people out, uh, in web development, what device would you give to people looking to get into web development or even just starting out in web development?
1: I think that, oh, I wish, I wish I had a good advice. I I think, I think my advice really comes down to having the patience. Um, I think, I think for a lot of things, especially programming in, in a whole, uh, things aren't going to work the first time things might not work the second time they may not work to the 10th time uh, but you each time you like afford the ability to learn something about why it didn't work and i think that's one of the things that like i really enjoy about programming is i get to learn what doesn't work to to the pathway of like okay what is the thing i need to have and i think for web development it's ex- especially challenging because you're working not only in like your own system of like your computer and like the specific stuff that you have, but you're helping other computers with different systems that you don't know, different devices, different things in general. And so it's like hard to know everything as well. So like, just be comfortable with not needing to know everything. You might need to know yeah. th- just enough things, but exactly. between like making mistakes and not, and being comfortable not knowing everything, like that's, those are the two things that's totally fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've learned from people just starting out Oh, I didn't know that that's or I totally forgot about that because you know,
1: you just see it for so long and you're like, this is like, you just don't draw the connections and things are changing. Mm -hmm. Uh, things constantly are evolving. Even when, even the things that are new become newer and it's like, how did that happen, like, when did this happen? And I, I think that's kind of the fun part of web development is that there were problems that existed. There's still problems that do exist, um, but it's cool to see how technology is adapting and like, becoming more uniform for people to that way we can like easily learn these things and not have to do weird r- random hacks to make it work. I think, I think of like the, the aspect ratio stuff right now, where it's like aspect ratio is like, you got to do this min, like min percentage. And you gotta make sure that yeah. you do it this way. But now they're like, all right, here you go. Here's the ratio. And like, thank God like, we've, we've had this for how long now?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, when you brought the point of, you know, you know, get it right the first time or the third or the fifth or the tenth, I started doing some stuff with, I, I wanted to start learning Rust. So mm. I started doing some uh, Rust uh, stuff. I think it was um, the Rustlings.
1: Okay.
0: And, I came across something, I think it, this was the one where you do the, the the different kind of, I guess I'll call them modules for the yeah. lack of a better term. And I got stuck on one and I'm like, oh, that's not right. And then I got to the 10th time, I'm like, that's not, okay, I had to do a little bit of research. Research is important to, yes. as far as, is is you know, if you're stuck on something and asking questions, because I asked a couple people that I know... In another Discord server, I'm like, "You've played around with a breast, you know. Can you help me out with." And and turns out, they were able to help, and I was able to figure it out and learn at the same time. So that's important for me, yes. and and you know, I think you agree that asking for help is is, is important.
1: And one hundred percent.
0: And I I tell people when they say, "Oh, you know, this may sound like a, you know," uh, I don't want to use, I want to use the right words. This ain't may sound like a silly question, but and that's there's no such thing as a silly question. Just you know, just go ahead and ask the question, and if I can help, or if I can guide you and lead you in the right direction, I will. So, one hundred percent. Yeah.
1: I agree with that, Um, especially with like, for instance, like on Twitch, people are always expecting everyone to have answers. And I like one of the things I made sure to take into my heart is like uh, as a teacher, you don't have to have the answers. Like it's okay to be like, I don't know. I think that's like very important skill to have as an engineer. And that's something I I also do on Twitch is I do things I don't know and I'm willing to ask for help immediately there, which is very uh, it takes a great amount of courage to do those things, mm-hmm. uh, both just to ask for help, but also to do it in front of everyone. But I think it's very important to like the growth of yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like with like, me and accessibility, I am no expert by any means. And I don't know, uh, you know, there's a lot I don't know. And people, you know, I'll get questions on, but I have no idea, but, Yep. i out, or here's this resource you can use and you know it's yeah it's to me it's impossible to know everything mm-hmm. there exactly <laughs> oh
1: there's just no way
0: yeah um now i've popped into your streams a few times here and there and, and said hi and you do a lot of rust related programming mm-hmm. so i wanted to talk a lot about that as my schedule clears thankfully i'd like to start dabbling in that a little bit more um so from for the people that are you know listening or, or watching can you tell us about rust and what rust is
1: yeah i think it's it's sometimes i find it's challenging to kind of like describe Rust. Uh, I think because it just it touches so many new things now. But I think the best ways of thinking about it is, it's it's one of the other languages out there that's really trying to make it easier, predictable to how to write a type safe program. Uh, Rust is a, a type a a strongly typed language. So unlike something like JavaScript, where you can kind of put anything into any kind of holder or variable, Rust specifically is, tries to make sure that you declare like how the types of the variables are and that you can control like how often that they change in like the, the the simplest of words, I guess is the way I'm trying to phrase it there. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll see rust in different applications, such as like hardware You can see it also into the web. We are seeing a lot more with WebAssembly. That's the direction that it's going, which I think is really cool because uh, one of the abilities that it affords is us to be able to connect the stuff that we're already doing with the web, but using something like Rust that basically allows us to have the type safety and through WebAssembly put it into the web. And that's kind of like what its applications kind of look towards. We're seeing a lot of bigger companies also trying to adapt and use Rust, which is incredible. We see like a big surge of Rust developers moving into Amazon, into Microsoft, into Facebook, all these different bigger companies, which is really neat because it means that it's definitely being adapted and being
0: used. When I first looked at it, I went, oh, I like challenges. I like interesting stuff. So that's kind of what drew me to, to it and, and all the talk, um, about it. And so when I, um, first, you know, started reading into it and everything, uh, it was like, Oh, this is, this is going to be like, you know, uh, jumping out of an airplane, skydiving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me anyway, it's because I've been more heavily in the last decade front end focus, but I've been a backend developer as well. So, oh. um, it, it was interesting and piqued my curiosity. Uh, so, you, you know you gave some good examples that was one of the question, other questions I had was some real world examples of where rust is out in the in the wild we should I'll, I'll say um, so I'm gonna step back to the party Corgi community because I, ha- I I'm been so busy lately uh, and doing a lot of things I am have, I have a full calendar. Um, i don't know wh- how it got that way but it got that way tell us a little bit about the party corgi community and you know i, I definitely you know talk about you know catching upon community and i have my own little uh, discord community as well and i've been a part of communities for for a while now since or since i got on the It's been a while, (laughs) Um, uh, you know, bulletin boards and and, uh, forums and and all that good stuff way back then. Um, So could you tell us about Party Corgi and what do you, you know, there's a lot of people in there, a lot of great people in there, a lot of great, you know, information going back and forth, I see. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about that and, uh, you know, the community there?
1: Yeah. So the PartyCorgy Discord, like, in its inception was focused around, like, bringing content creators into the space. And this is, like, mostly focused around, like, development programmers. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the course of its growth, like, it kind of naturally continued to just grow boom in different dimensions so we like start with talking about like how content creation from things from like blog posts from videos from twitch from youtube all these different dimensions but then we also realize like it's important to think about the the whole self like what are the things that make us because like that's the when i like using the word community because it's like a community isn't just like, I only talk about the things that bring us together. I think it's the things all about us, right? Like it's the the full slices of us together. So even though we primarily around the content creation, it's things like, like what are the things that we're learning? What are the things that we're trying to do? We have different uh, channels inside of our discord for those sorts of things. For instance, like we have a section for baking and cooking because we're human beings like we we want to share in the things that we do we have things for like mobility endurance and power kind of exercising and whatnot there's also things for like art for doodles and sketches Uh, I I love that we kind of grow the community in that way where we're talking about not only like the things that bring us together but all of us all of us like the whole self which is like a loaded thing that i know like companies have taken advantage of and like use but i really do truly believe uh because we're not like a part of any company like that's it's a safe thing to really describe it as is that we we don't have to just talk about only content creation we're not just content creators We're people first yeah
0: yeah yeah that's that's the important part that kind of reminds me of you know when we're doing our our thing, doing our, you know, when we are working and and we're putting in all that time and working, we got to step back and say, okay, I got to take care of me. Like today, this morning, I got up real early and went to the gym for a workout before I started my day and my day will go until, you know, seven o'clock past seven o'clock tonight here. So (laughs) it's been, it'll be a long day, but I, I, you know, I, I, I always like sharing food, especially lobster rolls. I <laughs> can't get enough of those. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's important. And it's always been that way since as far back as I can remember being a part of any community that I have been a part of where, you know, it's just not this niche thing. It's not just, you know, like you said, it's not just content creation. It's right you know food or, or travel or photography or, or stuff like that so it's it's good to kind of step away from the from the norm and kind of focus on something else like when i go hiking or something and share pictures of that too so, exactly yeah
1: I, I love the ability to be able to share more of it cuz i want to you know i want to people to see that I- I care about them. And so I, I love the fact that we can like take that space and also like have people participate as much as they want. I think that's like another dimension of like what makes community really healthy is like you don't have to be fully engaged all the time because you can't keep like now that we are so large, um, you can't keep up with every message that is there. So it's like important to like set those kind of moments as well as be like, ah, let me like participate now, like now that I have the the space capacity to do so
0: yeah definitely um are you a part of any other communities and uh if so you know what about the what what about community you i guess love about you know hmm
1: so I am a part of other things, nothing related to web development, which is, is ironic because, you know, I, you feel like I would be a part of so many things. I think like, um, especially with a lot of online communities, it's hard to like, to keep up with everything. So I try to limit how many more I join. But the other stuff that I keep up with is like related to video games and the people that make those video games. And like, it's really interesting to see how the dynamics are different as far as like how people like, like how how much cultivation people do to their communities. I think like that's something I've really kind of learned a lot is like figuring out how people say like, oh, this is like what, these are our norms. And like, this is how we show our norms. Um, that's something I'm learning a lot more about when I join other places and like kind of peek into them. And I think about that when I think about like the party court is like, what are the things that make us, us? And like, what are the ways that we set like this, this is what is acceptable for us beyond just saying we have a code of conduct and like we go and abide by our code of conduct.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the thing too that about community with me is, yeah. Um, stuff that sets that community apart from others, some some sort of uh unique quality like you know this one was content creation because at at the time when I joined I was like you know that I was kind of timid about it I was like hey does anybody know how I can join because I I was just starting (laughs) out and I was I wanted to know you know how to do the twitch thing and how to you know share what I've been able to learn over the past, you know, 22 professional years, close to a little over 40 total from just doing it and loving doing, what yeah. I do. Um, so that's what attracted me to that community was but at the same time you know like we were talking about it's those extra things and those extra things also attract me you know it's not just like with with my channel it's uh you know it's there's a little bit of programming stuff in there you know a little bit of front end stuff but there's also there's also that uh you know that you know, do you like taking pictures? Here's a photography channel or, you know, oh. food for me, food. I always post <laughs> pictures, so. <laughs> Gotta have blocks, roll. Can't, Yeah. yeah. So, um, cool. Um, so I did want to ask, and I kind of skipped over these questions, but I wanted to get back to these about okay. Rust. What's your favorite thing about Rust or, or favorite part about, about
1: Rust programming. Ironically, it's not the programming part. It's, it's really the community, Uh, which is, it it all comes back. I think a lot about like, I think a lot about how languages are set up both by like, how, how do people write the code, but how do people also talk about the code, like how do people, how do people like agree upon things like I think Rust sets a a really good example around like how to set organizationally like how do we talk about writing Rust what are the ways that we can do it better what are the ways that we can do health checks like I think a lot about those sorts of mechanisms because like not a lot of languages really do that right like a lot of languages aren't kind of aren't 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 fully community driven. I think that sometimes we say they are, but I feel like there's always going to be some arbiter, some somebody who, or some group that's always going to be like, no, we're not going to do this. Even if the the entire community feels differently. And I think Rust takes a kind of slightly different approach with how it engages the community about these things and like what the acts have to be in order to make something new. And I think that speaks to the health of like what programming languages will go towards, even though it's like a, it's not it's really not a new language per se um like it's been around for a hot bit um i think around like 2012 is like when it's officially came out which is is short in some languages if you're comparing it to something like c or java Mm -hmm. um but i think in terms of like a lot of people don't know that it's actually like it's been longer than just the hype has put it in there. And I think that's what surprises a lot of people. But I, in the same token, starting with a foundational knowledge of like community and like how that needs to happen, I think that's what sets it apart from a lot of other
0: languages. Yeah. And I took a, a, little, a little while back, but you know, I took a look into the community. And I like communities that are you know uh, inclusive, welcoming in it very very much so those things so and uh, so this next question what are some good resources for folks to learn rust and i can you know we can get some links together and i'll put those in the show notes for our, for our after for everybody so
1: yeah uh so right now there's like that's one of the things that rust especially is trying to work on uh one of the things that they said in this, like latest survey is like, finding more resources for people to learn, um, both from like a textual format. I think we do a really good job of prioritizing, like, here are books to read through. Uh, Rust kind of has this concept of making books. Um, they kind of like use the markdown book format, so that way they do it. Rust has a, an official, like, the Rust Programming Language book, which it, I can send that link over to you. And that's like what I use to learn it. It's very comprehensive from beginning to end, as far as like, what are the mechanics of Rust? How to think about it? What are some of the problems that it goes through? And I like that kind of format. If you're really kind of a traditionalist that like go from beginning to end and you want the depth the other tool that you mentioned before is the going through wrestlings and like going through a more exercise-based approach. So it takes the concepts and puts them into exercises for you to learn, which kind of facilitates the research bit. So you got to research and figure out like, hey, this is how to do that thing. Chris Piscardi actually has an egghead course that he does going through each of the exercises that were for Rustlings, which I highly recommend if you're a video person and want an explanation to a solution, because that's one of the things that it didn't have at the time, was it didn't have any solutions, which is kind of makes it hard to know, like, did I do it right or wrong? Am I thinking like a, a rust The That's what we call Rust folks. Um, yep. And then Chris recently also just uh, made a, there's like an early access uh, Egghead course, if you're an Egghead subscriber, uh, that is also learning about REST, which is a, a more like project-based thing, which I think is also going to be really good. So, so those are the I, things I know of off the right, top of my head.
0: Right. And I did go through those videos of his as well. And those are great too. Uh, I'll, I'll put that out there. Uh, We've got through pretty much all the which stuff in the in the Rust stuff. So uh, we both spoke about this a little bit before before we we started uh, on about uh, wanting to touch on removing biases. Mm, and yeah. let's go into that. Uh, I'm always you know trying to fit in during my day to remove biases. Originally. I would think of bias, uh, uh, when I hear the term bias, I would hear, uh, you know, I don't like that certain thing. I prefer this certain thing over that certain thing. Um, So let's go, you know, talk about that a a little bit. Um, And there's a great book out there by David Dylan Thomas um and it's uh, from a book apart and i do not have that on me unfortunately um but i'll look at the get that it's out,
1: the out. design for cognitive bias i believe yes the,
0: the book yeah okay. so what would you like to you know go into a, a, on removing biases in 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 the call to action that you were you were talking about
1: oh that's a oh there's so much i think that like i think for me the thing that i really want to like emphasize for folks is recognizing that you are not the user per se of whatever you're building and i think that's such a it's such a really hard thing to to step away from uh, because you'll build something thinking like yourself being like this is how i will see this thing and you will be like this will be amazing and this this will be perfect but like ultimately you are not necessarily the end user of everything that you create if you work for a corporation nine out of ten times you're probably not the end user of this thing um in addition to that even if you are the end user you may not be the, the person that it's designated for and if you use yourself as that you're limiting the scope of who you're trying to reach right if if we're thinking about like creating A world in which anyone has the ability to use this thing we have to be really thinking about who are the people who would be using this and what are the ways that they'll be able to use this thing and that's something i I challenge everyone to really look into is like really think about what are the people who might struggle with your application and what are you doing to build the affordances so that way they have access to it and it's really easy to be like those people like that wouldn't be a thing and it's like no, no 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 like there are many people in your life that you may not even realize that have things that make it difficult for them to do the same thing as you and you might you might not realize that but that's very important to be cognizant of especially in the world of the web where it's really easy to kind of forget how everyone else has different access
0: yes and that's really a focal point regarding accessibility which i am heavily into um as somebody I know who, who puts it, you know, you want to use, de- you, you know, you said, you, you know, we're not the user. I totally agree. But this, but this person also uses the term, you know, design for the people on the other side of the glass. Yeah. Um, which I thought is absolutely, perfectly, almost, you know, to put Perfect. it. Uh, you know, I ran into an issue where I was doing an accessibility audit for a company Mm and a stakeholder told me, we don't have disabled users. And I said, you don't know this. And this person said, I know my, uh, our customers. And I said, you still don't know, (laughs) (laughs) you still don't know all this while he's wearing eyeglasses. And I said, those eyeglasses are an assistive technology. Right. So after reading the book and I have it pulled up here, it's book number 33 on a book apart. It's a bookapart.com. It's designed for cognitive bias. Like you said, it's a great book. I've gone through it. I'm gonna probably go through it again. Uh, it touches on a lot of the different biases that I never even would have ever Thought. There's a
1: lot. Yeah, there's quite a bit, and you know, like in in our us being humans, we we will face them, and the the unfortunate parts of it is that we will never get rid of them, right? Like we can't mm-hmm. get rid of our biases. We can only be made aware to try to reduce the the amount that the bias affects us. And I think that's a very important kind of like thing to be cognizant of, because if you kind of resist it, you make it worse.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, and that touches to, to the point where. I've been trying to get better with when I'm, de- de- you know, designing something or developing something. I got to make sure that is it's going to affect a certain um, type of user. Yep. You know, is this going to affect somebody with a vision disability? It's going some. It's, it's going to affect somebody with a cognitive disability. So. All of those, and being, like you said, cognizant of what we're doing is one step in, you know the right direction on not, you know eliminating them, I guess I, I would say, but being more aware of their, those biases are there. Let's do our best to push them off to the side and you know, avoid them so that we can create better things on the web or even right. in general life.
1: Absolutely. And I think like, for instance, like a, a great example of like, of ways to do better um, for like in Twitch, even in, you know, I'm going to throw it back into this, even for something like a podcast, right? I am sure there's something that you're thinking about with regards to transcripts, like I like those are those are things that people think oh no one's going to read this i'm like no like people read these things like people need these things and it's i think we so much live in a world where we only think of like how we interact with the world so it's hard to remember that these are uh, there are other people that are not like us they don't have the same ability it's, it's, it's not like we hate people uh, but it's because we just don't realize that everyone experiences the world different and it's our goal as individuals as people to figure out how do we make sure everyone can have the same access and same access meaning like the the ability to have the resource not necessarily like oh you you now only get to see a video or you only get to see an audio but more so like how do everyone get to say have the experience
0: right right and i make sure to have those transcripts available. Those transcripts I have available on Gists on uh, GitHub. uh, And I put the link in uh, with the video that I have on, that I upload to YouTube for the YouTube channel that has captions. And I, I, I spend a lot of time and I make sure that it's right. So that's a good point. Point you just made where I will take the, the the file from the recording and transcribe it to put into YouTube. And then hopefully YouTube gets the captioning right, which sometimes, most of the time, it doesn't. <laughs> and I have to go through and I, I've spent a good, uh, you know, few days fixing the wow. captioning. Uh, just so there's that piece of being inclusive and making sure, you know, the people, the folks that need those captions to be well-timed, you know, that it happens. So that's definitely, you know, that's always on my mind and I have it written down here, make sure you do the captions.
1: And that's just ways that we're just becoming better, I think, overall, we're thinking more, like, I'm sure like when podcasting and like, video series were a first starting people didn't realize you know there's actually a really an important need for these things and that's it's it's i i, I try to avoid i think one of the other things is I try to avoid the like rationalizing around shame i think mm-hmm. people like when you shame somebody's like ah you didn't do this thing uh, that's like not necessarily always the most helpful thing. So it's like realizing like this is the affordance, like this is how to change it into support so that it turns into actionable ability. Like you're already doing this work. So like, let's get you to do this work. You already made the video. Now now that you have the video, getting the transcripts will make it even better. So that way everyone has
0: access to it. Yeah, yeah. And shame, the shame game is, yeah, that doesn't, so I, I, vote, and I was speaking, talking about this the other day with somebody and I said, you know, I don't, I try not to unless it's, you know, a case that's very, uh, I don't know how to put it.
1: There are tool. There are reasons to use shame for corporations yes. specifically. Yes. I will. Yes. I will. Uh, I'm at, uh, Individuals. It's difficult. I, yes. I think that there. It's not a like one. There's no like right or wrong answer. I think it's more of a spectrum. But yeah. like for instance, the corporations that have loads of money.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Should, should should not have an excuse to not be able to do these things. Right. You have the resources. You just have decided not to invest into them.
0: Right. Right. Thank you. That <laughs> was what I was trying to say. So with. Individuals, it's more of being diplomatic lately for me. Um, do I forget? Sometimes I do. We're humans. We're humans. Right. Um, but with corporations, it's different.
1: <laughs> I 100% think that we should expect corporations to be able to do more. They're made of individuals, of course. But I think that a big part of... Like we just said, it's the reducing bias and it's our responsibility to be the advocates for the people in the room that may not be in the room. And I think that's why it's so important for us to like be aware of those things and really draw from who who are users, not just the users that we are. And that's what I go back towards like that's something that we think about at Zella is before we released any of our new types of content, like we did audio and video, we're like, we need to think of developing. This is like the bottom line. How do we develop audio descriptions? How do we develop subtitles and captions? Like, how do we do those things? Because those are our bottom line Mm -hmm. to have access for everyone. Like we need to think, what does access actually look like? Yeah.
0: So getting back to that conversation I had, I equated the shaming of individuals to when I was a teenager. I didn't want my parents telling me what to do. So that's the approach that I take with the shame game. Like, you know, oh, you didn't, you didn't use the, you know, you, did, you didn't meet the, the, the standards for color contrast. For instance, I use these color contrast all the time as an example. Right. I don't go at somebody and say, you know, shame on you. You need to do this. It's kind of like, hey, you know, this kind of, you know, just to let you know, this doesn't mean, you yeah. know,
1: standards. And it's
0: kind to tell
1: them that. I don't think you're trying to put them on blast or anything. You're right. telling them, like, you you know you can do better, and you just want them to be able to do that, and that they this is how. And I think, yeah. like, that's it, that's important. Like we can't ignore it. We need yeah. to be able to do better. And I think I think it's really hard because this is part of the bias. This is part of our feelings, because we're like, oh no, it's like a problem of me. But it's rather it's like this action that I needed to, to correct or this thing I need to correct. It's not speaking about you as a person unless you retaliate. And if you retaliate, then that then then you're you're digging your own hole. I have nothing to say about that oh. then.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've I will admit I'm. Been down that road a few times, a lot in the past. We're human, yep. So it's it's all a learning experience. Exactly. Yeah. So as we, you know, we don't have a hard stop. I, I've got three last questions that I usually ask folks, you know, that are on, and I'll ask you, what about the web these days that excites you and keeps you excited in what you do?
1: I. what keeps me excited about what I do? I think for me, I think for me, the thing that really keeps me excited is like the kind of era that we're in now where we're seeing a lot more dev tools being created for helping us build better experiences. I think like being able to like, in addition to, like, having tools, like, uh, libraries and frameworks and all these things, I think it's really incredible to see browsers becoming more equipped with, like, how to actually tell, like, how will the web page be interactable? I think, like, recently, um, uh, Firefox just made it so you have, like, the tab order actually being determined directly inside of the developer experience, the developer uh, edition of the web browser, and I think that's, like, one of the things that I, like, love is, like, we're figuring out how to do more things that we have to be able to do. Uh-huh. And we're putting it in the forefront for us. And that makes me excited to continue to do more web developments Cause we're thinking about like, how do we make sure to make this the priority? Or like, how do we make access once again, the focus? It's not like a, oh, we forgot to do it. It's more like it's in front of you. You have the tools. Cause the, the hardest parts are knowing what we have to look for and then also having the tools to do it.
0: Right. Uh, they do have that. The, the, uh, is it up here? Um, and of course, yeah. under. Uh, <laughs> anyway, they do have the, you know, where you can find what the, the tab order is. They also just, I th- was reading. Is it a day or two about how they have you can you can see the uh you can test for uh prefers color scheme oh is, i didn't know that is now um i think chrome
1: has something like this too where you can ch- it can change it for you you can't do yeah. the test i think it can change it for you though yeah so, that's so cool
0: yeah yeah i i have to agree those are some of the things that i i'm looking at and thinking, well yeah this is I'm, i remember when css wasn't a thing so this is it's all, it's all awesome you know <laughs> it's it's truly a i think it's
1: incredible to see it go from you know like being something we just have like netscape uh and then we're like all right let's keep building more and more. And then we're like, oh crap, like, wow, this is like, I think even to the fact that we have access to it on a a mobile device is incredible because like living through an era of like not having smartphones, uh, very, very different from now living through an era of smartphones and then being like, what's next? Like, how do you get further Mm -hmm. from
0: here? Yeah, so my next question, if there was one thing that you could change about the web, we know today, what would that one thing be? Could be anything?
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I, I had the first thing that popped
1: into my mind, it's gonna be very controversial. Um, and I'm sorry to, to bring <laughs> to bring it. We I, I like
0: that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be I don't think it's gonna make you upset. I think it's gonna make other people upset. I, I, I wish that we prioritize HTML and CSS as core components to building websites as opposed to fully relying onto a lot of JavaScript. I wish that we I wish that we had more resources put into that. So that way we didn't have everything that we have today. I think I think that was a, a mistake. I think that we we realize how how drastic of it, it 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 ended up being but i really hope that's something i would see in the next decade is like we find ways to do more things natively where we don't need to like rely on extra tools and it's not to say javascript is inherently evil or anything like that mm-hmm. but it's like there are, we shouldn't we shouldn't have to rely on javascript to do things that the what native web should be able and capable to do and we need to figure out ways to bring that back
0: right. Yeah, so I'm on the same page.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's I think that there's a lot of affordances. Of course, like it, yeah. we get to do things that we never were able to do before. But I wish I think that if I had to change anything, I really wish we could have just invested to making HTML and CSS stronger. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: What that looks like, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, uh, that that uh, that would be something I would have to that's gonna make me think later on, which is which is great because, you know, CSS I know could be, if we had, for instance, box sizing border a box in the browsers, instead of having to put it in our style sheets all the time, that would be great, but we can't do it because everything built on 20, 25 year old, legacy
1: code so if we had the the tools that we had today back then i think the web would look very different i think if we had Mm hl and css the the way that we have it today i think we wouldn't we wouldn't be nearly in where we are today and i I i'm interested to think about like what would that look like without a javascript world
0: yeah yeah and i fired off a tweet a while back (laughs) about it it had to do with performance and, and accessibility no it wasn't It was, you know, there was a web page out I was auditing. It was two megabytes, but over half of it was JavaScript. Wow. And it was, it it wasn't a, a, it wasn't a, I guess, content heavy or (laughs) um, page, but at the same time, I'm thinking about that person who's out in the middle of nowhere with a 2G or 3G phone and not being able to access it. And that got a lot of (laughs) flack.
1: It's, and this goes back to bias, right? Like we think, Mm. we think that everyone is on a MacBook and we develop for those resources. And it's not to say like, oh my gosh, like you're insensitive because you, you didn't, you didn't think about these people. Like Mm. it's, it's, there's so much more loaded into that. There's so many things that happen, right? Like, like it just, the web in itself wasn't capable of doing the things that it needed to do. And I wish that we could f- have, we could have those tools before, like where we are now, we had to learn a lot of things along the way to get to this point. But I hope that like we could take those lessons back then, throw it into here and we just be
0: dandy. Yeah. Yeah. And originally it was just, the web was made to for scientists to transfer documents exactly. back and forth. A lot of people don't realize that now.
1: I I love the joke of like, there's these like cables that, (laughs) that run under the underwater, right? Like this, this, this is how the internet works. Um, but then sharks are the most dangerous things to, to, to the internet because they can actually interfere with the cables. (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. What was the, there was another thing about this. There was something about tubes. There was some politicians that were talking about tubes a few years ago the internet was a series of tubes Mm. or something kind of kind of like when you put the the little canister into the bank thing and it just zips it back up back to the that's just that's (laughs) honestly how i
1: describe the internet to a lot of people i was like that's just really all it is this is just information coming back and forth through big old pipes
0: yeah yeah so uh, last question let's do it favorite part of front-end development that you really like the most and tying in with the theme of in the title of the podcast what do you nerd out over
1: oh this is a great question oh i don't hmm the thing that i i i nerd about i guess i like i'm just like so fascinated about is is not even something i'm good at okay. uh I just am so fascinated by generative art. And I, I think like, I guess like that might be not specifically front-end technology, but I think it's interesting to see people bi- using like CSS and HTML and JavaScript to build these things, like to build art. And I'm like, I don't know how it works. I It's not like, I have no explanation to it, but it, it is truly one of those things where I see it I'm just like, incredible the people who use HTML, css to make like just art in general is incredible the amount of work that people do and like how do you do it how do you do this i think of a single div and like that in itself is like so much skill yeah, yeah. so
0: that kind of reminds me of the um the css art that we've seen on code pen for instance yeah phenomenal there's one with a lighthouse a coastline there's uh like how
1: do they do that
0: i I don't know how to do it but it definitely (laughs)
1: is it's definitely the things that i i am like talent like skills and talent is being shown and i I wish I had just enough skill right. to make a website. Like <laughs> they can just make art, like this is incredible. Yeah. And I, I am so grateful that they share that with us. Like they share the, the things that they create.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's some, you know, that, that's some next level stuff that it, I, I'm left scratching my head going, how do they do it? I mean, I, I looked at, it, it was just a simple, uh, I think it was, somebody did a, a CSS, thing with um i think it was just like an old cassette player if i'm yes mistaken Mm -hmm. i was looking at it like that is awesome but like how and i looked at the code and i went yeah i I looked at the code and i went how do they do that it's just i'm on the same page again (laughs) i think it's awesome yeah it's incredible
1: i okay there, there's like many things like, you know, I spend spend most of my day looking into different things about accessibility. Uh, but like, I don't think I'll ever have this skill of being so crafty at like making this art. I won't have it. And I, I recognize it, but I will always admire other people's work that like, it's just so cool to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I especially love it when there's a little bit of animation thrown in or a lot of anime, like the, um, There is a CSS kind of like it's a game that you can literally play in code pen. Interesting. And I'll have to dig up that link. I played it one day, a little while, uh, uh, like a month or two ago. Um, I should have kept the link, (laughs) uh, I'll have to forward that to you because it's just it's like it's like being on you know uh I'll, when i it gave me the feeling of being on an atari 2600 again as a kid so it was That's really amazing. really cool it is amazing uh so um i've got all my questions and that i had for you uh i want to thank you for coming on it's
1: thank you for having me once
0: again great conversation. So usually when I close out, I let my guests, you know, tell the listeners or the viewers what they have currently going on and where they can find you online. So the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, uh, as far as what I've got going on, I am wonderfully here in this podcast. I, I will be doing some things later on into the year, which I'm excited for. Can't really speak about them, yeah. But you can find me anywhere on the Twitter sphere. Uh, I am basically almost anywhere on the internet under my tag Maxell. Uh, Funnily enough, Maxell is my first name. So M-A-X-C-E-L-L, but I go by Prince. It's uh, much easier for people to say. So uh, you can find me anywhere on the Twitter, uh, on the internet, specifically my website, which is uh, prince.dev, which short and succinct.
0: Yeah. Twitch, are you uh, doing uh, any streaming? Twitch,
1: yes, you, you're totally right. So I do Twitch streams every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard or Eastern Daylight now, I guess, now that we're in that time period.
0: Which is, I don't know about you, but that's thrown me off for of the past, well, since, it, <laughs> <laughs> since we had to spring forward. Um,
1: I love sun. I love waking up at six o'clock to the sun. I am originally from Florida and I now live in New York and the winter seasons are things that I'm not accustomed to. And the cold, the darkness, I I just don't know how people do it. Florida just had just
0: rain. (laughs) I'm fairly close to you. I'm up in Maine. So uh, yeah. Yeah. I know all about the winter and I'm, I just turned 50 this year, so I'm getting a little bit cranky about the snow and the cold and the weather. So yeah, I, so I, I need sun too. Yeah. 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 I, I moved I was I lived in uh, Orange County, California and in uh, San Diego for a little while and that boiled me. <laughs>
1: it's Just sunlight. Yeah. Just just sun warmth. Below it's what, 70 degrees?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Twitch, Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. That's me. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Daylight or standard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I will be there. We'll okay. always be hanging out. We usually, more than not, are doing stuff with Rust. So, if you're ever interested in learning, if you ever have any questions, you're always welcome to be in the Twitch chat. You're also welcome yeah. to just lurk around and just hang out.
0: And that's it. Anything else? Nope. That's nope. that's all we're at. All right. Um, well, again, Prince, thank you so much for coming on. I, again, enjoyed the conversation. Enjoyed talking about community rust and everything. It's always a pleasure to see you and, and hear from you and you know, see the tweets and everything. And I will try to get into a uh, stream. Tuesdays aren't that bad for me anymore. So I think I'm going to find the time to fix. Hang out, chill,
1: yeah. chill around, you yeah. know.
0: Come in and say hi. And I, I recommend uh, other people to pop into the stream and um, links will be provided in the show notes again. And uh, it's it's a great time. I, you know, love seeing you working on the, the Rust stuff, the rust stations. Are, are a very you know cool group of, of people though uh and uh, before i close this out rust station is so close to crustaceans and i have a fondness for lobster so that was exactly thing. You <laughs> that just, was...
1: it all came it came the stars aligned it's that yeah. new programming language yeah perfect food like pun like just here we are
0: yeah yeah that's great and I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is great. This is cool. I'm going to have to do this. <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you very much. Uh, and I want to uh, just say, uh, please like, uh, you know, comment, uh, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, this has been the Front and Nerdery podcast. We'll be back, or I'll be back next month with a brand new guest and brand new topics to talk about. Uh, And until then, we shall see you all later.